Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I am honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 29 of season one of This Osteopathic Life. Recording this episode in the Denver International Airport on an unexpectedly extended layover as I travel to the second meetup for the Osteopathic Health Policy Fellowship. So I hope you bear with me on the sound. There will likely be some background noises as they make calls for folks to get to their gate. But I'm learning to make the most of the time that I have and get back to the mantra of done is better than perfect. And so here we are. These last couple weeks have been a bit of a whirlwind. Somehow we are 10 days into October. I honestly can't say how quickly September went by and the speed with which the seasons continue to unfold. I had an interval of solo parenting when my husband was away at a conference and was held up by the graciousness of my village in southern Oregon, where we take up residence at present, and was blown away by the adventures in parenting one Friday afternoon when I took 20 trips to and fro, coordinating activities for myself and my three children and in town and otherwise, and mostly I'm grateful for all the opportunities that we have for awesome entertainment and opportunities to socialize in the geographic proximity to make it all happen. In any case, it's been enlightening as much as it has been exhausting at times. And during this interval, I've also taken the lead role as a preceptor and faculty for the Western University College of Osteopathic Medicine of the Pacific Northwest Campus in Lebanon, Oregon, and have a third year working with me, and it's been a while since I took on the challenge of being the primary preceptor after spending a number of years in medical education with students and residents. I took a pause when I came to Oregon, and I have dipped my toes in periodically as an occasional helper, um, but this time dove in fully, and any time I've been involved on the opposite end, the teaching end of medical education, I reflect on the time that I had as a student and how impressive it is to think about how these physicians took me into the fold and incorporated me into their day and were willing to accept some of the delays and interruptions that come with having a student on service with you in exchange for the benefit of seeing your work through new eyes and answering questions and being able to hear your patients reflect on their experience of you and your care as they relate to the student who's a guest in the experience and how gracious it is for the patients to be willing to extend what they can to the learning experience by allowing 
students into these personal encounters and engaging in the therapeutic experience. So it's been a really interesting time for me. And at some points, challenging. You know, it was one thing working in a residency clinic where most patients expected to be seen by students and residents and knew there would be extra time allowed and were willing to have that element of practice. And then into a private clinic where maybe that's not the usual expectation and patients have been totally generous throughout. And perhaps some of the bias comes from me and assuming there's a level of expectation and wanting to meet that. And also considering what it was like when I was on, for example, surgical rotations, how much direct action was there, particularly in the clinic, in the efficacy and efficiency of follow-up. And it's certainly a balancing act and an opportunity to extend gratitude back to my teachers and graciousness toward the upcoming generation and appreciation for my patients and the opportunity that I have to participate in the cultivation and preservation and nurturing of health in people's lives. Thinking about what lessons I hope to create, to inspire, to make possible for the student leads me to reflect on how A.T. Still, in his founding and exploration of and documentation of osteopathy, was sometimes frustratingly ambiguous. And I've talked about this in early episodes of the podcast, and it's still, to the best of our knowledge, intentionally did not write down techniques. He talked at length about the importance of knowing anatomy and physiology and pathophysiology and palpating for normal and understanding the abnormal and seeking to restore the tissues back to the normal. But never as much in a specific, hold this here, move that there, expect this result. And my impression is that he understood that it would be an evolving process, that it would be different for different people, both as the person performing the treatment, as the person receiving the treatment, that understanding would continue to evolve and unfold. And so writing it down you know, would make it somewhat fixed and in that way limited. And there's an importance, certainly, to having a framework and a jumping off point and a starting ground for performing a treatment and assessing and evaluating and considering what techniques might be useful for a particular patient or a particular condition or diagnosis. But I still, I guess pun intended there, feel that it's so important to operate from a place of understanding, from grasping your awareness of the situation, your knowledge of medicine and all those key underlying factors, the experiences you've had in treating, seeing what's worked and what hasn't worked, and being able to adapt. Because in the moment, a particular technique might not work. The patient might not be able to get into the position that you're used to, or the setup that you've used over and over again just isn't working. You're not getting the localization that you might have hoped. You might have set it up and applied whatever force or whatever weighting that you might, depending on the style of the technique, and the response just isn't there. And then how do you 
adapt in that situation? How do you find a new way? And I really think being intentional and individualized in the approach can benefit you in a number of situations as the osteopathic physician approaching that patient. I think the same applies to us in our daily lives. We certainly do a lot of things the same way. And even as I evaluate and treat my patients, much of it looks similar from a framework. You know, the starting point, beginning at the feet and moving toward the head, standing on a particular side of the patient, checking and rechecking things, you know, the basic order in which I treat much of it does have an element of consistency so that there's a pattern, there's a familiarity, there's a rhythm. But at the same time, what's happening specifically for that patient is often changing in the moment. And this can get to be a bit esoteric. It can be challenging to observe and to teach because it isn't quite so straightforward. Point A to point B, do this and expect that. But I think giving those tools, that framework, and encouraging someone that they have had the experience. You know, their dear medical students have had two years in osteopathic manipulative treatment labs where they're practicing on their fellow students in a wide variety of techniques and getting a sense for what works well for them, what speaks to their hands and to the experience, what do people respond well to, how do they like to be treated, and how can they interpret that and apply it to others, and begin to adapt those techniques and diagnostic tools to the patients in the moment. And rather than teaching someone what to know, it's a teaching someone how to think. And I appreciate that very much about the Waldorf experience that my own children have in their schooling and the element of inspiration. How are we preparing people to be lifelong learners, to be confident in their own skills, to be a willingly active learner and participant so that they're not just trying to remember how somebody else did it, but establishing their own means of practice and style and influence so that it not only becomes second nature and natural and ingrained, but it becomes theirs. It becomes something that they can teach to others in the means of inspiration. So continue to carry on these traditions, understanding that they're going to evolve and they might look a little different person to person. We can affect similar results because we're being true to ourselves in our body of knowledge, in our natural skill sets, in our gifts and talents, in our ability to relate to patients. And that authenticity rings true for the patients. And it's most interesting, having worked in collectives throughout my years in practice, all of my colleagues within my practice treat very differently than I do. Some very direct, meaning they will take something where it doesn't want to go. Some very indirect and very fluid and just waiting and being willing to be patient for the tissues to make change. And patients are getting better with all of these people. It was interesting that my husband sent to me an article from the JAOA, and I'll put the link into the show notes, about the power of touch. And we speak to that quite often in osteopathic medicine. 
one of the differentiators is that we use palpation as a skill, as a means of diagnosis, as a method of treatment, and looking at the true benefits that are experienced, both as being a person who's receiving the treatment and as a person who's engaging in the physical contact with their patients. And while there's certainly much involved in osteopathic manipulative treatment, improved alignments, improved fluid movements, improved communication of the nerves to the structures on all the levels you'd like to explore, there is also that power of being in contact with the patient and the depth of connection of the experience that comes from that encounter. So it's been a good time for me. It's been hopefully an intriguing time for the student. who also has the opportunity to work with these five other physicians in my group who have very different styles and approaches and levels and depth of experience in various faculties of medicine, which I think is so important to not just hear one person's perspective, but to see that a similar practice can be done successfully in a number of different ways and styles and that there's room for you to be you and to be good in medicine. Also during this time, there's been a number of what I like to call the boomerang effect and folks moving to and fro and to again, particularly for us, if you participate in social media, my Facebook feed brought up the memory from one year ago earlier this week, and it was of my husband unloading the U-Haul of all of our belongings in Michigan, having driven from Oregon, putting them into a storage unit and awaiting our new home, which we would later move into around the Christmas holiday, and then by spring break, we're back again in Oregon. And one of my colleagues is currently transitioning back from the California coast to Maine, where she did her training and much of her early practice years. And it's fascinating to me to look at those things. And I don't know where my boomerang effect will end, and perhaps none of us do. But I wonder what it is that brings us back to those places of origin, you know, whether it's our birthplace or where our family resides or where our career was born or simply where our heart feels whole. You know, sometimes it's the environment and the natural resources around us. Sometimes it's the community, the people, the family of choice that we've adapted. Sometimes it's practical. Where is work? Where are the resources that we need to be successful in our lives? And certainly not for everyone. You know, I have family members and friends who have also stayed in their place of birth or career birth for years, decades, many decades, and that works so well for them. And it's fascinating to me to have such choices. You know, what a gift, even though it can feel complicated at times to have to navigate them. And to have all these great places to be and to live and to work and to wonder and wander. So as I came through these thoughts, plays on words entered into my mindset. I'm actually reading a book called Wits End, specifically talking about the 
wisdom and the ability to use words effectively. I came to L, and first I thought about naming this podcast Lessons in Love. And that came out more recently as Brene Brown, who is the most inspiring writer and speaker and teacher, recently posted, again, The Gift of Social Media, doubling down in love and how she was feeling overwhelmed by the challenges of our times, the violence and the chaos and the hostility that seems to be prevalent and recognizing that she was not behaving in the way that was successful for her, the way she wanted to engage with the world. And she took some time away and looked within first and decided that she fully desired to proceed in love. And I so appreciate that. And I'll post her link to that article in the show notes as well. Putting the education component with this preceptor role coming to the forefront and also my work in the Health Policy Fellowship, which has proven a fascinating opportunity to be a beginner again, to be the unskilled, unexperienced learner and excited to gain a whole new skill set, humbled to learn what I don't know and encouraged that this is the right journey because it will certainly fill a bucket that has not been filled yet in my career and in my knowledge base. And so I have much to gain from the experience. So then I moved to the alliteration phase, which is common for me. I love words and common letters and patterns. So I started with learning. We talked about that a lot so far today in the podcast. And then if we just take one letter away, we come to leaning. And we've talked about that as well during my time with my husband away. There was certainly so much leaning on friends and colleagues and grace of rescheduling patients and my children and being patient with me as mine wore thin. Let me move yet another letter and come into leading. And this has been big for me recently, both in this teaching role, taking that primary lead uh, preceptor position, and also in resuming ownership of the gym here in Ashland. So we previously were leaders, owners of CrossFit Inconceivable, an affiliate. We took over and rebranded in 2017 and sold on our transition away from Ashland in order to provide an on-site owner for the community. And in an unexpected turn of the boomerang effect, the owners to whom we sold the gym moved. And we resumed ownership mid-September, which is also part of why the weeks have flown by in the blink of an eye. And what does it mean to be an effective leader and practicing delegation recognizing what I did well before, what I didn't do well before, and how to proceed forth with that. And then, as I already had this trio pattern, I had to keep exploring and considering how many words there are who are just changing that fourth letter, that middle letter, can make such a difference. You know, leaving was one, and that to and fro and what it means to leave a community and it's been challenging on our end, repeatedly to do so, to go back to people and be welcomed, but to leave 
a wake of sadness and departure on the other end. And what that means, are we building some resilience, especially with our children and learning how to have been part of a community and to be a member remotely? And understanding that sometimes it does feel like there is a hole remaining that isn't necessarily going to be filled, but is the price paid for loving and living in multiple places. The last four are quite interesting. So I came up with leaping, which feels like is necessary for a lot of these measures. Coming back into the gym, coming back across the country, taking on these new challenges, moving into the fellowship, stepping into something which is totally foreign to me, and embracing the opportunity. Next was leaking. And, you know, the only thing I can think of with that is considering the bucket, you know, filling this educational bucket for myself and the fellowship and hopefully helping to fill that up for a student, but also wondering where there might be holes and gaps that are allowing some of that energy to run out. And sometimes it spills over, right? Some are just overfilling the buckets and you can't keep it all in and you're going to lose some. And other times it feels like you keep pouring it in and it just can't get full and wondering if there's a hole somewhere and it's coming out the bottom and you just can't keep up and needing to patch that. And for me, it's been things like saying no to the symphony this year, which has been really hard for me to accept, but understanding that something had to give and maybe putting a patch there will allow me to fill up the bucket of patience that I have for my family so I can be a more present and complete presence for my children and my husband and my friends and family when I'm home. The next is leasing. And I can think of this in a very practical way. My friends who have played Balderdash with me recognize that for as much as I love and explore words in that game, I cannot get past just the literal representation of them. And it's very clear which definition I offer when playing. So leasing currently, we've had to lease homes for the first time in many years in these past two because of the boomerang and the to and fro that we're experiencing. But on a deeper level, looking at the borrowedness of our time. And there was a quote earlier in the week, and I will work to source it and put it in the show notes. But it was to the effect that everything is temporary, but we are eternal. And thinking about how that feels. So we're really leasing these moments in life and these opportunities. But there's also an element of the eternal What are we passing along, even genetically? We've talked a lot about ACEs in the last year and looking at how we transmit past trauma, hopefully also past health. We can create a stronger bloodline and heritage. And we can think about families where people just are well and they live long and they live long at a high quality of life. And thinking about our stewardship of the resources that we have and for which we are responsible and how to leave things in a better condition than we found them. And the last one I have is leafing, which is a little bit comical and maybe appropriate for the season or my attempts in this past year to read books. When I think of leafing, I think of leafing through reading material and 
perhaps that perusing mindset. You know, what do we take in? What do we skim? What do we need to get into greater depth to truly understand and gain and be inspired by? So that was my fun in alliteration going through the L's. And I'm able to stop there, even though it's an even number. And normally I would try to get three more and make it 11. But I honestly don't think there are any more. Although if you find one, L-E-A, blank, I-N-G, that I haven't covered. And yes, I do know that learning had an extra letter, but we dropped the R and then we carried on from there. Share it with me. Share with me your interpretations of those words. And... see what it can mean to you. So we're moving toward episode 30 next week and try to think of something fun and exciting. It will likely be reflective after being with my fellowship classmates and course leaders and in the city of Philadelphia, which I have never explored. So I look forward to sharing with you experiences and thoughts inspired by that and also visiting one of our original schools one of our original colleges of osteopathic medicine there will be exciting for me and simply practicing new skills as a fellow as a teacher as a physician painted through the lens of these gracious elements of feedback my patients provide to the student who is with me and hearing what their experience is like and understanding on a deeper or personal level the opportunity and responsibility I have in these relationships. So I leave that for this week's episode, and I send a happy birthday out to our musician, Rachel Palin, and we'll share again the link for her Let Music Live campaign as she has transitioned up to Seattle and is awaiting transplant for a cure of CML and thank you for any donations you can make to that cause. So this is Dr. Amelia Beakey with This Osteopathic Life signing off for today from the Denver airport. Thank you for bearing with me with some of the interruptions and background noise and understanding that sometimes life isn't as we might expect it but we can make the most of it anyway. You have a moment to follow, like, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes. That'd be most appreciated. And keep an eye out for updated episodes, entries of blogs from the Osteopathic Health Policy Fellowship on thisosteopathiclife.com. Thank you for your time this afternoon, keeping me company in the upper echelons of the Denver International Airport. And for your continued listening and pursuit of the health of all things.